Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Monica. Real quick before we start this episode, this month I have a special request of you. Has About Progress impacted you for good in any way? Has it served a need that you had in your life at the right time? I would be honored if you could express how through a rating and review that you leave on your podcast app. Many apps have a way for you to do this, but the most important place to leave a rating and review is on Apple Podcast or iTunes. They're one and the same. The few minutes that you take to share what you like about the show goes a long way both for me to do a better job showing up here and to also help boost our likelihood of being seen by other women who need this community. I am so grateful that you take the time to listen, and I thank you in advance for supporting me and leaving a rating and review. Now on to the show. You are listening to episode 336, It's Time to Ditch Diets for Good. What is so confusing about the world we live in now is that most of the diets people are on are not labeled as diets. Keto, paleo, clean, macros, and more. They're called lifestyles or ways of eating. Diets are extra sneaky these days, but their effects are very real. Maybe you are only now realizing how many years you've lost, how many experiences you have sacrificed, 
and how many memories you've left unmade thanks to years of focusing on the quote-unquote right ways of eating. And now, now you're ready to ditch those diets for good. But those old ways of thinking and being and living are so ingrained, it's really difficult to find a new way. You're not alone in this struggle. Today we have on the show Ashton Barrett. She was actually on About Progress in the past, but as a macro coach, which was a way for us to give different perspectives to what was a really popular diet at the time, because Ashton had a more flexible approach and I wanted to have her on for the many women in my community who were very into macros. But even with Ashton's super flexible approach, she found the past year that all these food rules were still dominating her life and she was finally ready to leave them behind. Ashton now helps other women do the same. She is currently in the middle of getting certified as an intuitive eating counselor, and she's going back to school too soon to become a full-blown mental health professional. And she has seen how hard it is to ditch these diets, but she's also seen how life-giving it is on the other side. I'm going to be really honest with you. This episode is not for everyone. If you're not ready to hear about how diets lead to never-ending cycles of gaining and losing, nor if you're ready to hear about how they lead to major and real psychological harm, then I'd honestly tell you to just skip this episode if you're not ready to hear that. But if you have already paid the price to endless years of dieting, and you feel like there has to be more to life than this never-ending cycle, and you're open to hearing about another way, then stay put and listen. Maybe this episode isn't for everyone, but I really hope it's for you. Welcome to About Progress. I am your host, Monica Packer, and I don't want you to just listen to this show. I want it to change you. This community of progressors empowers women to take on radical growth via sustainable changes. Are you motivated and ready to grow in your identity, purpose, and productivity? You can when you remember that life is about progress, not perfection. I have two quick things to tell you for the About Progress community. First, we are hiring. It's now time to add to our team. We're going to get a copywriter slash social media manager on our team. That's the same position, but different responsibilities. If you have experience in both as a copywriter and maybe with social media, we want you to apply. We really want women from this community to be on our team, not just random people. Go to aboutprogress.com slash apply, A-P-P-L-Y, to do this to to apply for this position. And applications are going to be due by June 1st. Again, that's aboutprogress.com slash apply. Now this is my final reminder that next week, the last week of May, is our You Can Get Organized Challenge. This is free and it's always a hit in our community and it's a super fun and doable yet motivating way to get going on your spring cleaning. We would really love to have you there. Join us by going to aboutprogress.com forward slash challenge. Again, that's aboutprogress.com slash challenge. Finally, two quick disclaimers about this episode. First, I want to make sure you know there are trigger warnings for those of you who are not in a good place, maybe with eating disorders, body dysmorphia, anything to do with that. 
just be aware going forward into the episode. And the second disclaimer is just about dietary restrictions. I am not saying that if you have an autoimmune disease or you are you know, intolerant to something that you should just eat it. I'm the first to say if you have dietary restrictions and health-related reasons for eliminating certain foods, then yes, use your wisdom and do those things. I think you are smart enough to know what ways of eating are honoring your body and your health without them having to be unnecessary extremes. And I know that you are smart enough to know what's necessary and not. Now on to the interview with Ashton Barrett. Welcome to About Progress again, Ashton. It's great to have you back. Hi, I'm excited to be back. This is so fun. We originally had you on as a macro coach and not as a way like we were giving, you know, instructions on how to do that, but it was just part of who you were and what you were doing online. And, and part of why I wanted you on was because I saw such um, a different perspective and how you were doing it, but you've since departed that world in some ways I think are going to be in alignment with a lot of women in my community who have realized that they were shackled in ways that were really difficult to see because it was so supported by culture and by society. It was so entrenched in the way they viewed themselves and what was good and right for their bodies. And they're realizing there's another way of living outside of dieting and it's scary and it's hard and you've been through all this. So let's just start this interview by you know, kind of going over what your shift was, what was the shift between the last time you were on the show and, and, and now, and, and how did that relate to your own departure from dieting? Oh, what a, what a question. What a yeah, loaded question. One. <laughs> yeah. Man, thinking that's so interesting to think about the transition from talking to you before on the podcast and just everything that has happened in between. And if I had to say the shift, I mean, obviously, obviously it's a culmination of so many things, but specifically, I think what really broke down for me was last year, I, I had gained weight and kind of how you had referenced before, you know, my unique approach with macros, I really considered myself really flexible. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I kind of touted that that was my thing. I'm the flexible macro coach. You don't have to be super strict, be flexible. And that was my thing. So I would go through phases of tracking for, you know, a few months up to six months, however long. And then I would take a break and I would quote unquote, eat intuitively. And every time I gained weight, every time I gained that weight back and which signaled, okay, let's, let's track again. Let's tighten things up. Let's go through the thing. Like, that's what you do. That's just what you do. That's what you're made to believe that you need to do because gaining weight is a bad thing. And this last year, when I gained the weight again, I, to be totally transparent, I had a very physical negative reaction to the thought of tracking again. I Mm. felt sick to my stomach. The thought of tracking again was very panic arousing. Is that even a phrase? Yeah, totally. (laughs) I didn't want to do it. It made me sick, but then I equally 
the thought of not doing it and letting my weight fall where it may was terrifying because that's what we're told to believe. If your body changes, if you gain weight, it's bad. You need to tighten things up. So I truthfully think that it was just kind of that my shelf came tumbling down. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I had found intuitive eating uh, a few years back actually and I think I tried to make the two work and they don't, they're not meant to work together. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Dieting and intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dieting and intuitive eating. And uh, yeah, I just decided it, it wasn't worth it anymore. And I think being in a weight centric world, you mm-hmm. know, despite the flexibility and the freedom that I thought I had found, it was still in a weight centric world. It was Mm -hmm. still operating under a weight centric paradigm and it crushed me. It just crushed me. I was over it. They call it hitting diet rock bottom. I hit my diet rock bottom and I was done. Mm. And, uh, you know, I thought for a while, okay, I can make this work. I can, I can figure this out. You know, I'd worked so hard. I'd built this business, but it, it was just too much. And I just needed a break. And I think I just knew that kind of like the shackles that you were talking about, I needed, I needed that real freedom. I needed, I needed to give it a shot to pursue living without believing that my body was some sort of currency for who I was and what Mm. I had to offer the world. Because I think truly, I never let that, that way of thinking go. I think I've always operated under believing that my body was my currency. It was being in a smaller body is better. It opens up more opportunities for you. It's, you know, the world world celebrates women in smaller bodies and it oppresses women in larger bodies. That's just what I kind of clung to. And I just needed, I needed a break from that. Mm-hmm. So. And even if you're ready, even if you've hit this diet rock bottom, which I know many women have, but they kind of guilt and shame themselves back into it because, you know, that's what we do. Like you said, you know, that's, that's how we measure our, our worth and, and more our happiness, you know, our relationships, so much goes with this. So even when you hit that diet rock bottom, oh, there's so much fear. It's like a whole dark pit of unknown of what, what does life look like? So I want to hear just how you were able to navigate that. And I'm not saying perfectly, I mean the mess too. What were the ups and downs with, you know, leaving dieting behind forever? Just terrifying. Yeah. So I like to be super transparent with this because I don't want to paint it like it's easy or uncomplicated because it is, it's really terrifying and acknowledging that and leaning into that and allowing yourself to feel that is part of it. And, you know, for a couple of months after I made the decision, right, I'm leaving dieting for good and kind of pursued what I consider recovery. I don't have it. I didn't have a diagnosed eating disorder but definitely probably could have had in college, but definitely years of chronic dieting and disordered eating and ways of thinking about my, about food in my body. Mm -hmm. Um, So as I pursued this recovery, 
I mean, upwards of three months into it, I was still having days that I would download the app again. I download the app and I'd say, it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. It's not that big of a deal. Let's just track for a little bit. You know, just kind of see where we're at. Like I'm making this way too much of a big deal. And what really helped me during those times, a therapy, mm-hmm. I mean, I know therapy isn't accessible for everyone, but if it is, I highly recommend it with an intuitive eating or health at every size aligned provider. That was very helpful. But so some things that helped me were unfollowing diet culture accounts. And I know that that is literally the cliche answer to give in these scenarios, but I mean, truly unfollow, not a second thought, unfollow diet culture accounts and don't look back. Yeah. (laughs) Don't diversify your feed, follow accounts of women in all body sizes. Doing that was really cathartic for me. I started to find this community that's out there of women in all different body sizes that are pursuing incredible things and their size isn't limiting them. And they're living these. And I know Instagram is only a snippet and we can't see everyone's full life, but they're, they're doing it. They're living their, their dreams out. They have these hobbies. They're fulfilled their focus isn't their body and Mm -hmm. what they're eating. And it was this powerful shift of thinking because before I was in this world of dieting and following fitness accounts, and there's nothing wrong with following fitness accounts, but I just think being really conscious of who you're following and what you're taking in and protecting your energy in that was really helpful for me. I'm sure you had pushback too. You know, people who were following you, maybe past clients or friends or family who were just like, what's the big deal? Like, or I I don't get it or come, come back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's the diet culture part there. People might not be familiar with that term as, you know, those terms as much diet culture is just the entrenched way of, you know, smaller is better kind of talk the ways we joke about it, the way we talk about it, it's entrenched everywhere. So how did you deal with that piece of the puzzle though? Like that siren song of not people who are not in your social media world, since you were able to glean your accounts there, real people. Right. This is where it gets tricky. Mm -hmm. And this is part of learning to advocate for yourself. I feel like it's twofold. So it's a advocating for yourself setting boundaries, you know, expressing to loved ones why this matters to you. And, you know, this is really important for me. I'm really trying to make peace with food and body. I'd really, you know, if we could avoid talking about, you know, diets or bodies, like I would be so grateful. I love you. I respect our relationship. That would be awesome. (laughs) Right. And so so you have that conversation with, with people. Yeah, I I did have it with some people very close to me. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage to do that. It does. And I think thankfully in those relationships, I mean, there were meaningful relationships, Mm -hmm. very meaningful relationships and people that I love and respect very much. And so 
it was really hard to have those conversations. And there's a fear that you're hurting people's feelings. There's a fear that, you know, you'll just like any, just like a he, normal human yeah. being, these but you'll get dismissed or yes, you'll or yes. And, or, or eye roll, you know, um, oh, this isn't another that. thing to be sensitive about. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it comes back to how much of your energy do you really want to spend worrying about what people are going to be thinking about you? And I know it's so easy to say that and so much harder to put it into action, but I knew, I knew it was all about my mental health for me. Mm. I was suffering yeah, and I couldn't do it anymore. And I think part of making these decisions and advocating for yourself in these ways is accepting that you don't have control over what people are going to do or say or think. And that's hard. And it's okay that that's hard. And you need to advocate for yourself. Especially where it counts. Like you said, the meaningful relationships, you might not be able to navigate every like social event once we actually start having those again, or, you know, whatever else is going <laughs> yeah. on, like that. or even people who do mean a lot to you, but still just don't get it. It's, it's trying yeah. to at least knowing that you put forth that effort and that you're still walking apart. You, you know, you said something earlier. I just want to highlight this, that you didn't get like a diagnosis. And I just want to point out this for every woman who is listening that you don't need a diagnosis to know that food and body obsession are leading to suffering. Mm-hmm. If you are suffering for it, you, you don't have to have a definitive diagnosis to reach for help, to mm-hmm. get help and to make dramatic changes in this. Mm. Just wanted to point that out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that honestly is what I, I, I think that that prevented me from really seeking help before. I mean, I think there was, there's a lot of rationalization and I think part of it that I think is really unfortunate is that women just don't think in the bodies that they're in. That's a really big misconception and whether it's eating disorders or disordered eating or getting help with these kind of struggles is women don't believe that the body that they're in is worthy or ready uh, for recovery, right? Mm -hmm. It's this this fear of weight gain. I don't even know if I specifically mentioned that earlier, but it's like- what are the ups and downs? 100%. It's always going to come back 95% of the time. Fear of weight gain Mm -hmm. is the biggest struggle for women. It's the biggest reason that we don't pursue this. We don't pursue this full food freedom and intuitive eating and living a life free of dieting is because we fear the repercussions of gaining weight and our bodies changing. And that in and of itself is so sad to me. And I have so much empathy for feeling that way because we do live in a world that celebrates women in smaller bodies and oppresses women in larger bodies. We just, we do. Mm-hmm. And, and the I bias think- is so innate in ourselves that we judge ourselves for that. And we measure yeah. ourselves compared to others and their sizes too. And, and I'm saying this from someone who has you know, officially been diagnosed with eating disorders, but for a long time, I didn't get help because I didn't think I was bad enough that I didn't deserve it. So at that point was clear, 
but also, you know, years and years into a recovery, I'm still navigating that concept mm-hmm. every single day. Yeah. And, you know, and I want to say, I feel like, I, I feel like when you're in the very beginning of pursuing recovery, I feel like sometimes the anti-diet messaging kind of, it misses the mark just a little bit when you are so entrenched in a diet culture mindset, I feel like the anti-diet weight stigma, thin privilege, I feel like that messaging can feel really overwhelming Mm -hmm. and it can feel really just, it's an important conversation to have. And I wish we could have more of those conversations, but I think before we dive too deep into those conversations, we have to take care of us, you know, and, and honor that we are scared to gain weight. And Mm -hmm. I'm not scared to say that. I think sometimes it feels a little, you know, you want to be like anti-diet and, you know, and that is so important and necessary, but I don't want anyone to be intimidated by that Mm -hmm. because I was intimidated by it. Well, I think it it goes to the all or nothing pendulum swing. We get on this with the dieting culture in general, just that cycle of all nothing, all nothing, but it can also be taken that far when you are trying to leave dieting behind thinking, Mm -hmm. well, does that mean I shouldn't move my body? Does that mean I shouldn't even consider maybe making sure I'm supporting myself nutritionally? And I'm not talking about looking at labels or anything like that. Just like, just, we can take it to the extreme that way too. And I think that's what, why women are scared to lean into this because they think they have to, that they then have to. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Well, so that reminds me of an analogy. Can I give an analogy? Okay. So I, I heard this analogy once that, so it's like, imagine like a river. Okay. You have this flowing river and the river is peace with food and body intuitive eating. Uh (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. On one side of the river, we have the bank of restriction, right? Rigidity, dieting, okay? And the other side of the river is chaos, out Mm -hmm. of control, Yeah, just chaos. Mm -hmm. The purpose of intuitive eating, I think most people pull it into the out of control realm. You Mm -hmm. know, it's do whatever you want no regard for self-care and taking care of yourself and living a healthy honoring life, your body, honoring yeah. your body. And it's not that way. No. <laughs> right? Well, with that analogy, like with my, so I had, and I'm not going to go through my whole life history here just so people aren't like, okay. <laughs> but I mean, I would love it's a full not life that <laughs> another time, Ashton, we should okay. do it unite. But so like where I was at, you know, for many years, it was the restriction side. And then because of that restriction side, biology is going to kick in. It's just going to kick in. And I went to the binging side, the out of control side. Mm -hmm. And I already felt on that side of the river, the out of control and the scariest shame driven, frightening. And I I, want to say unhealthy, but I'm not talking about health. I'm just saying like bad for my body ways. Like Mm -hmm. it was, it was destructive. Yeah. It, It was just plain destructive. I was out to destroy myself, you know? So when I was trying to learn, learn about intuitive eating, that was terrifying. Cause I felt like, well, that means I'm still on this out of control side. And I don't want to feel like I'm 
not, I'm in that space anymore. I want to feel more. So I'm glad we're highlighting this because that's not what this is. What is it then? What it's not going to be perfect either, but what can this look like actually being in the river instead of only being on either side of this? Right. Absolutely. So I think it's important to acknowledge in the very beginning, especially that it probably is going to feel out of control. So I don't want anyone to be under, I don't want anyone to be under any illusion that if you are feeling out of control or you're finding yourself binging or, yeah, know, eating past fullness, that that means that you're doing something wrong. That's absolutely not the case. It's actually very normal for that to be a piece of the journey. It Um, often gets worse before it gets better. Exactly. You're doing it right. (laughs) You're doing it right. 100%. And I think, I think what's really hard for people about intuitive eating, or at least it was for me, is that it's not like dieting. Dieting has very clear expectations. This is what you do. This is how long you do it for. This is how much you eat. This is like, it's just very, it has very clear expectations. It's a lot of certainty, which is, I honestly, I say this time and time again, I believe dieting is the ultimate coping mechanism. I I truly believe Hmm. it was for me. I think it is for a lot of women it's certain. You mean like life coping, like just coping like life coping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's, it's something to manage. It provides us certainty. We're doing something for ourselves, quote unquote, right. Mm-hmm. We, and dieting has these very clear expectations. So intuitive eating is, it's the opposite almost like there's not a timeline. There's not, you're not told what to eat. You're not told how to eat you. It is much more fluid. It's much more personalized. It's much more being in tune with your body, which is so terrifying when your whole life you've you shut have, it you've shut it off. Yeah. You have literally used all kinds of ways, external cues to eat and you you have shut it off. Exactly. You've blocked it. You've suppressed it. And so leaning into that feels out of control and chaotic. And so my best advice would be to trust the process of intuitive eating. And I will say, read the book. I, it's Mm -hmm. always so funny to me when people are like, how do I do it? Or I'm feeling out of control. Or or, I never could. Or I never could do it. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, have you read the book? Do you Mm -hmm. know what the 10 principles are of intuitive eating? So I would say, read the book, use those as guidelines and trust the process. Trust. It's a, it's a science backed framework for self-care decades. It's been around since, I mean, when when did it come out? 85? I think, yeah, it's the 80s. I think the 80s was when it came out and they've since, you know, updated it. And the fourth edition just came out last year, June of last year. And they made some really incredible changes. They updated it with, you know, a lot of the latest, they got macros in there. (laughs) Oh, that's great to hear. They have so many updates. I think my edition is very old. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. One one thing I, I I want to point out too that you've mentioned in your in your feed a lot is that intuitive eating is not the hunger fullness diet. They mm. I don't know if they still have that range on there where like they had the number scale and zero is like neutral, I guess, and you were only supposed to eat till satisfied and then stop right. or and and that for me put me on a whole tailspin for a while. And I had to just straight up ignore that. But I just wanted to hear any thoughts that you have on it's not the hunger fullness diet. Yeah, it's not the hunger fullness diet. And I'm embarrassed to say that I, for a while, I, I even, I taught clients that when I was a macro coach, I kind of picked and choose some of the principles. And I mean, in hindsight, very unethical, Hmm. not how it works. Right. But once you know, you know, you live and learn. And that was kind of how I used that was as the hunger fullness diet. And I think it's very easy to do that. And I think there's a lot of guilt when women eat past fullness or they overeat or they, or eat for enjoyment or eat for enjoyment or just just feel full. I mean, heaven, there's this whole, I think there's a lot of language around like around being bloated. And again, this is, out of context. I'm not a dietitian, but is, is it, are we bloated or is it that we're just full? Right. And I think sometimes women are just scared to even feel full, like mm-hmm. even just that feeling of fullness. And that was something that astounded me. I mean, I read Monica, we're talking, I, I felt like I ate so much with macros. I mean, I was eating upwards of 3000 calories, right? Like I just felt like I was eating so much, you know, how could I not understand hunger and what that felt like in my body as I truly pursued recovery and intuitive eating? It was astounding to me, the rules that I had in my head, the rules around food that I still had in my head around hunger and fullness and stopping when I thought that I should and not being scared to almost push my, push my fullness a little bit, like how, like feeling it in your body. It sounds so woo woo, but it's so, it's what we were born with. We're just going, connecting back to what we were born with, what's been with us from day one but we yes. learn to suppress and ignore and stuff down. And I think there's such a connection of what you said, like women are afraid of feeling full. I think women are afraid of feeling too much, being too much, acting too much. Like it's all about too much. Mm-hmm. I really feel like that's a root of a lot of yeah. this. 
tap it down. I feel that in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, you know, as we're leaning into the scary territory of being too much (laughs) in many ways, it's that navigating that balance of being terrified of it and owning that this is what I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And, and reminding yourself of why what you were doing before didn't work for you. Right. I mean, I think that that was a big piece for me too. I mean, focusing on, you know, it's okay to be scared or terrified and doing it anyways, but sometimes even that feels so overwhelming. And in those moments, I would often remind myself like deep breath. Okay. This is why I can't go back. This is why I decided that this did not work for me. What was that for you? What was your why? It wasn't working. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, logic works here. Totally I mean, logic, right? Yeah. Logic, logic. I always have to work. start over. Mm-hmm. It's don't work. I was having to start over. This isn't working. Okay. Long-term and sustainability is a big thing for us here. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And my mental health, my mental health really, truly just took a complete nosedive. I yeah. full-blown depression it was a very low time. And I just knew that I couldn't sustainability. I couldn't sustain this anymore. I couldn't sustain it anymore. I think that's similar to me. I mean, I was in my young twenties, which seems like now like such a baby, (laughs) you know, I'm like, wow, such a baby. But I'm glad that at that age, I realized that this is destroying my life. And this will continue to destroy my life. And for me, the root of it was a a loss in relationships Mm. with others and with myself. And I was not married, did not have kids, not even close to those things, but I knew that it would damage my future relationships, whether or not I got married and had kids. But that was honestly my why, like at 20, 20 years old was the the future me, future Mm. relationships. Yeah. Hopefully the future kids I'd have one day. Yeah. You know what I think is so unfortunate about this work is that we usually come to it after suffering. And I, I wish it weren't that way. I wish that there was a way to shake us all and just like all hold hands and sing Kumbaya and just like agree that we agree to opt out. Like, could you imagine if we just all agreed to opt out? That would be a powerful shift in the entire world because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Let's say we have women are listening and they're thinking, but not me like this, this isn't, this couldn't work for me. Like, no, you don't understand. I, I do have to manage what I eat. Like I, I do I do need to watch what I eat. Like, sorry, I just can't throw caution to the wind. I'd, I'd eat brownies all day. Like, that's what I hear all the time. Like, I think the belief factor is monumental. Belief that this does work, that there is freedom on the other side, mm-hmm. that this is sustainable, that it is possible, that you, in the end, once you learn better to really be in tune with your body, you likely won't be even wanting to, you know, brownies all day. That's a whole mm-hmm. other conversation. But let's just, briefly cover the belief aspect of this, why that matters so much. Yeah. 
So this is kind of where I like to help be more objective I, about what we're thinking and then kind of name it. So the belief is a big aspect of it and pulling yourself out of that entrenched diet culture brain is really hard. So identifying your inner voices, it was really helpful for me. I called it some people, if you, you know, if you have a diagnosed eating disorder, they might call it your ED brain, eating disorder brain. Mm -hmm. I called it my diet brain or my inner critic. Your inner critic is going to be exactly that critical. This is never going to happen. A lot of shoulds and shouldn'ts, a lot of judgment, shame, guilt, non-supportive. You can't do this. So you want to start to practice actively strengthening a new inner voice, a new inner voice. And that inner voice is going to be compassionate. It's going to be supportive. It's going to be logical. It's going to be kind. It's going to be the voice similar to a voice that you would use with someone that you loved, right? The way that you would be speaking to a loved one. Your inner BFF. Yeah. You're, I love that. Yes. Your inner BFF and learning to recognize those voices in the very beginning is going to be really helpful. Like literally if you have to snap your fingers and be like, Oh, is that my inner critic or is that my inner BFF or whatever you want to call it? I called it strengthening my new inner voice and always reminding myself that that voice acted out of compassion and what was best for me and was loving. And that was really helpful. So when we're, when we say things like, I'm never going to stop eating the brownie. Like I should be monitoring my weight. I should do this. I should eat this. I'll never be able to do that. Like just logically thinking about the phrase, like I'll never be able to do that is illogical in and of itself. Like you can't say oh, you'll, you'll never be able to, I mean, we don't know that. Right. So yeah, taking a step back, mm-hmm. right. Asking yourself, is that really true? Yeah. <laughs> Could it be different? Could it be? One of my favorite ones was I'm willing to consider. I remember the day, like it was yesterday when I decided that I was doing this. Yeah. I, I was so sick of overthinking everything. Mm-hmm. I was so sick of overthinking everything. And I was like, what am I going to do? What is best for me? I wrote down just this huge brain dump of all the things that I believed about food. A lot of it was macro related. Yeah. And seeing that on paper Hmm. was startling Mm -hmm. and insanely unsettling. I mean, I had all these beliefs around what I should and shouldn't be eating still, despite this supposed food freedom that I'd found, Mm -hmm. you know, I should, I should save my treat for the, for the evening. I should save up this amount of carbs. I should have this much protein. I should have this kind of meal after I work out. I still had a lot of rules (laughs) around food. And so that was really helpful for me in kind of identifying my diet brain. Totally. And it's also... I feel like what you said, it's so pivotal to, to recognize the, the inner critic and, you know, strengthening the other voice is going to be 
it's almost going to feel like you're splitting your brain in the beginning Mm -hmm. because it's so deep. It's so entrenched. And I think the literal, you know, synapses of our brain that it's difficult to separate in the beginning and then difficult to insert this new voice. But this is where, again, belief in the process, like you said a while back, that's, that's going to carry you through when you know it's supposed to be difficult right now. This is hard. This feels like so much work. Is it worth it? Am I going to change? The answer is always yes. Yes. And the more you stick with it, the more naturally you'll be able to stop that inner critic and shift it over to the inner BFF. Mm-hmm. It will come and it will be something you'll be able to kick into gear. Second nature. Sometimes it takes years. Like it took me some, some, some other people can get this in a week, <laughs> but you're most people can't get it in a week. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they can. I'd love to chat with them if they can. Yeah. I, I hope there are some people out there who can do that, but I'm betting most of us are in between. So anything else you could say to these women who are ready to, to dive into these deep waters of leaving dieting behind? Remind yourself why you're doing it. I mean, you're doing it because you're, you're suffering. It's not working. You, you're hoping for something better. You want it to be true. You want it to be true that you can accept your body as it is without having to worry about changing it. You know, you're sick and tired of thinking about your body so much. You're sick and tired of thinking about what should I eat? What should I not eat? It's exhausting. Yeah. It's so exhausting to constantly be worried about your body and whether it's going to change and what people think and what, you know, there is a full and vibrant life accessible to you that does not involve micromanaging your food to micromanage your body. Mm -hmm. You do not, your body is not your currency. Life does not happen on the other side of thin life does not happen on the other side of losing weight. You have happiness and success. You can have all these things in your current body. And I'm so sorry that you've been led to think that that's not available because it 100% is. So that's what I would Slow say. Slow clap. <laughs> Slow clap, Ashton. That's what I would say. <laughs> that was, that would be the clip I would play at the beginning of the episodes if I, <laughs> but maybe I'll start with this episode. Wow, Ashton. So I feel like you are, I don't really know if there's like, you finally are there. Like you arrive, you're on the other side, but I definitely think there is a shift in the suffering level and the, the inner strength to get to. So, so how are you feeling? Like, where, where are you at right now with that? Yeah, I, I really do feel like my shift kind of my over the, I don't even know tipping what point, over uh, the tipping point. Yeah. Like I, cause I don't know what you would call it, but I think that that little to the other side, maybe you're over the dieting hill. Yes. 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 I'm spending more time on the other side now. Right. Yeah. In that healthier place that probably happened for me, honestly, probably about a month ago. I feel like it was, it was right before my surgery, Mm -hmm. which was such a blessing because 
a knee surgery. Yeah. A knee surgery. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because I haven't been able to do anything right. Like I'm not, I'm not moving. It's Mm -hmm. been really hard, but I feel like about a month ago, I kind of was over that, that hump. And I feel, I feel like even though I still have days that I might feel uncomfortable with my body, because I think that having the expectation that you're never going to have a bad body image day again, or never struggle again is unrealistic. Mm -hmm. It's unrealistic. I mean, considering the world we live in, never having issues with food or body ever again is a little unrealistic, Mm -hmm. but it gets a lot better. And yeah, I just think even when I do have those days, I much, much more quickly am able to just like, oh yeah, I am feeling uncomfortable in my body. Hmm. It's one of those days. Okay. As opposed to in the past, it would have been, oh, like tighten up tracking, you know, focus on what I'm eating or what do I need to do? How do I need to make this feel better? And now it just feels so much more. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Noted. Bad day. Mm-hmm. Noted. What do I need to do today? How can I take care of myself today? It's a good, yeah. honest answer. It's, yeah. it's, it's a break from the suffering. That's for sure. And like, like you said, there's life on the other side of this. Yeah. That you said life does not happen on the other side of thin. And that is absolutely true. 100%. Yeah. All right, my friend, I always end my interviews asking about what you are working on personal development wise right now. And I guess you've done a huge deep dive with a lot of things you talked about, all things body and intuitive eating, but what else, what else are you working on right now for yourself? So I am currently in a mode of surviving to yeah. be totally transparent. Yeah. I, with this knee surgery and just, just surviving a mode yes. of survival. But I am currently getting certified as an intuitive eating counselor. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm applying to grad school. That's awesome. So tell us what you want to study. Uh, clinical mental health counseling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I doing the thing. It's terrifying. Oh, and aren't a hundred percent like, am I doing the right thing? But I am so excited and I know that that feels like it, it sounds like it's such a big thing, but I don't know. This is what happens when you don't, when you leave diet culture, you don't have to go back to school, but (laughs) (laughs) that's not the expectation, but I don't know even what I'm trying to say. Frees you up to have a life. Yeah. Their dreams and goals and ambitions and ways to find fulfillment and worth and value. That's what's on the other side of this. Yes. And I just want to thank you for having the courage to do it because it takes so much courage. And not only have you done that for yourself, but you've done that for the community that you've been leading and you're helping transform so many lives and even mine, even after all these years in recovery, you've Remotivated me, helped me refocus and what matters most. Mm. And I've needed you. So I just want to thank you. Thank you for doing what you do and 
I'm excited for what's going to happen when you finish these other certifications and getting the other degree and all this stuff. It's going to be amazing. So thank you so much, Ashton. I appreciate you. Thanks, Monica. It's so fun to come on again. I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants that you need to grow. You know, maybe this episode was a lot for you to take in and that's totally okay. And maybe while you were listening, someone came to mind and you thought about them in particular. Can you share this episode with them? I would love it if you did that. And if you have an extra moment, I'd especially be thrilled if you helped me close that small gap I have now to get to 1000 reviews on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Thank you so much for either of those things. They both help the podcast in ways that I can't fully describe to you without taking another 10 minutes. (laughs) So let's now share the progress pointers from this episode. This is where I share the notes that I took so you don't have to take them. And you can get the graphic of all of my progress pointers by enrolling to my go-getter newsletter at aboutprogress.com slash go-getter. All right, here they are. Number one, in our weight-centric world, our bodies are our currency. Two, you don't need a diagnosis to know that food and body obsession are leading to suffering. Three, unfollow accounts steeped in diet culture and diversify your social media feeds. Four, there's more to life than focusing on our bodies. Five, advocate for yourself to loved ones and then accept what you can and can't control. Six, it will likely get worse before it gets better, but it does get better. Seven, dieting is the ultimate coping mechanism. Eight, trust the process of intuitive eating and start by reading the book. Nine, women are scared to feel full. They're scared of being and feeling too much. 10, remind yourself of your why. 11, identify your inner voices, the critic and the BFF, strengthen the compassionate voice inside you. And 12, there is a full and vibrant life outside of diets waiting for you to be discovered. What a jam-packed episode. I definitely went into the editing thinking that I was going to do my best to get it closer to it in half an hour. But I think, you guys, I've just, we needed this all. And that's how I'm going to do my episodes. (laughs) I like to make them so that you can listen to them on a single walk or doing a single chore. But I think we're ready to make sure that we get the best information from every episode, regardless of length. So that's just what I'm going to focus on here. And I told Ashton at the end of the interview that, man, this was timely for me. And it was just like you. I still struggle with this in many ways, but also I hope like you, I know it is worth the fight to know that I am more than this body. As much as I want to still honor it and be grateful for it and nourish it and move it with joy, I still at the end of the day know that my body is going to continue to change and the best thing I can do is to support it. So I really hope this episode gives you a path from dieting if you are ready for that. And if not, that's okay. We'll be here for you when you are. I want to thank you for being here, for supporting me, and for supporting all the women in this community who are so bravely and boldly shaping their lives. Go and do something with what you learned today. And remember, life is about progress, not perfection. She is currently uh, about... Goodness. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.